here to worship him just because of what he's done for you that he not just that he came here and came gave up everything in heaven streets made of gold and the glorious robes and all the power and might just to come down here to be born in a barn to be ridiculed to be looked down upon to be spit upon so that you would have a chance to meet him and to talk to him and to be here in this room tonight just for what you've done but most importantly for who you are we deserve nothing that you have done for us I am nothing more than a six foot tall bag of dirt and you came to earth to redeem me to pick me up and dust me off and set me in heavenly places I thank you for giving me this opportunity to share what you have laid upon my heart tonight here with your people. I thank you so much. I ask, Lord, that you just open up your word tonight in ways that it has never been seen before. no, No matter how many times we've ran over the scriptures and that are going to be used or how many times that we've heard them I just ask Lord that you open our eyes to to that other dimension that we can see you speaking to us tonight that we can hear your heavenly host praising your name here tonight just pick us up from Bentley Kansas and bring us into your holy throne room tonight Lord please Lord Use me. Let me step aside. Let me just sit back and take a seat and come forth, Lord, and use my voice to bring forth this message. I ask everyone here, Lord, that you you let them hear and, and let them take this word and use it as a mirror to reflect their own lives and their own being and their own personalities against it and see if they fit how you want them to fit. 
praise your name, Lord. We do this all in your name, and we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So while you're standing, let's start in Joel 1. So this kind of started off, I'm not going to lie, as a joke. Brother Sam, we were here working all night, Saturday night, and uh, he jokingly said, send me your notes for Wednesday, because he asked me if I'd preach tonight. And I got home, and I jokingly wrote down some notes, and I sent them to him. And he said, I was just kidding. I said, I know, I was just trying to be funny. And... Uh, and then I prayed about it a little bit, and it's kind of blown up on me. And I now have a little over, probably close to six pages of notes. Um, all the time. So Joel 1 and 4. Now, if you have never read the book of Joel, I highly encourage you to read the book of Joel. It will not take you long, I promise. It will not take the youngest in here that can read long. It is not a big book, but I do ask that you read it very slowly and with a lot of prayer because there's a lot in. <laughs> there's a lot in this book. So one four. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. You can be seated. Matt, that does not sound like a good scripture to really start on. And you're probably right. Because um, if you read on through Joel, he talks of tree, his tree being bare. And the in seven, the vine waste and the bark of my fig tree, he hath made it clean bare and cast it away and the branches thereof made white. So some of us have more of a green thumb than others. Some of us understand what a palmer worm, canker worm, caterpillar, locust can do to a crop. But you ask why those four specifically? Out of all the things that could have been used, out of all the almost parasitic insects, the destructive insects that could have been used, Joel specifically uses these four. So we're going to break it down a little bit, both in a physical sense and then hopefully in a spiritual sense. And we will see how far the Lord gets me or lets me get. Or shuts me up. Either way. So palmer worms, palmer worms, 
Eat leaves of fruit trees and shade trees. It's very specific. Locusts swarm. And they never really work alone. You might see a small grasshopper, but locusts aren't these grasshoppers. Locusts are big. They swarm. They attack in, in just clouds. And they never work alone. Canker worms eat fruit. They don't eat the whole thing. Wouldn't be as mad if you eat the whole thing. But they'll eat just a little bit. And a caterpillar is a generic term for moth larva. It eats a little bit at a time. It chips away at plants until the plant dies. So a caterpillar could be a catawba worm, uh, for some of us, tobacco worms, um, to, them little worms that get on your tomato plant that do just enough to burrow into the stem and kill your whole tomato plant. So this past year, 2022, I guess it would be now. We kept getting the so the leaves. I got some of y'all's been to my house, but I got two big old sycamore trees in the front of my house, and they got decent sized leaves. But we were getting just wads of nothing but the vein of the leaf. We had worms, uh, bagworms, that were eating everything but the veins of the leaf so you would have literally a, a, a leaf skeleton <laughs> no other way to put it the leaf skeleton would fall and then of course it in and, and you just kind of think how can something this big take out so many leaves so fast when you don't even see it you never see them eating the leaf. I never saw one on a leaf. I never saw one. You just see them hanging in the tree. Now, we had a lot of them. And then to the south side of my house, I got a Catawba tree, and it has massive leaves. I mean, they are very big leaves. Uh, many, many winters ago, we had a hailstorm. And my truck at the time was parked under the Catawba tree. It didn't fit in the garage. But because of those big leaves, I took no hail damage. And the car that was parked beside us, or parked beside my truck, outside of the protection of that large shade tree, took hail damage. Just to kind of, I mean, they're not just big leaves, but when you get a bunch of those stacked up, protection comes from under... I mean, it's, it's the biggest Catawba tree I've ever seen in my life. But a couple summers ago, we had a very large Catawba worm infestation. They come every year. You can't get away from it. That's why they're called Catawba worms, because they go on Catawba trees. And they ate that tree almost. We're talking leaves. It looks like the ones from uh, that Littlefoot ate. Okay before his mom died and huge I had one back there in the back I just forgot it but thank you greatly appreciate it 
and they ate most of the leaves on my tree. So this tree that protected, literally you can stand under it and it protects you from a hailstorm in the winter months, I guess fall months, not quite winter because most of the leaves are gone right now. But the Catawba spit, the Catawba worm spit is acidic. And it can literally eat paint and all kinds of stuff off your car. So in the summer months, you kind of kind of work around it. And it looks like tobacco spit. It's so just black and tarry looking. And then this past summer, I'm sure everybody can remember the army worms that we had here. They happen every summer, but it seems like this past summer, they were worse. They literally just march across your yard and kill everything in in their path. They were everywhere. The Parkers here had, their front porch was infested with fuzzy woolly caterpillars just marching through and they just destroy every bit of grass you have. So how much can one worm eat? I don't know. If you read the book Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar, it's a lot. They eat more than we probably give them credit for. So how much can one worm eat? Before it gets full, it cocoons itself, and it becomes a moth or a butterfly or whatever. Another question, how much damage can one tree take? We are referred to throughout the Bible in different spots as trees. God uses trees in many, many ways. Um, we spoke of the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we're, we're not going to get into all that because we definitely don't have time to get into all that. You read through the, first, the whole first book of Joel, the whole first chapter of Joel, first book. I was just testing you, making sure you're awake tonight. It pretty much talks about trees and how the, the, the trees have been attacked and, and what to do and how bad it is. And if you stop there, you're like, well, we have no hope. We're done. Later on in chapter one, he talks about the vine dying. Now, we know that that does not reference further on to where Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches. But So how does Joel, written sometime around the 8th or 9th century, apply to us today? How does Joel 1-4 specifically apply to us today so I I would like to take as long as brother Sam will let me maybe not today because we'll be here a while but as long as the Lord will let me speak on it to explain this so 
Does anybody here, I know most of y'all and I know most of y'all's jobs, but does anybody here rely solely on their orchard to provide them a living? No. We have gardens to kind of supplement. We have gardens to help out, whatever the case is. We have gardens because we like gardening. Who knows? So nobody here relies solely on their apple or peach or persimmon orchard. I don't know. So we all have other things and we do it for fun. But what about the spiritual aspect that comes from talking about these worms? I had this laid on my heart before... I even knew that Brother Branham literally has a sermon called Palmer Worm, Locust, Canker Worm, Caterpillar. Um, And he also references it in 1953 in a sermon called Why Am I a Holy Roller? Amen. 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 Um, We get called a lot of things. Just for being Christian, you get called a lot more things for being message, and then you get called a lot of things for saying that you believe that Brother Branham is the prophet to this day, uh, and it, it happened so quick. So, one, I would like to ask, is anybody here ashamed to be called a holy roller? So, in 1953... Why am I a holy roller? Chapter fit chapter. Paragraph 59. Brother Branham says, Then that scripture come on my mind. What the palmer worm left, the caterpillar eaten, what the caterpillar left, the locust eaten. But that was but that was his church. I thought, truly, Lord, after the Reformation back yonder, what the meth Catholics left the fundamentals eaten, what the fundamentals left the Presbyterians eaten, what the Presbyterians left the Baptists eaten, what the Baptists left the Nazarenes eaten until they eat the whole thing down. But I will restore saith the Lord. Hallelujah. God's going to have a church. I will restore saith the Lord. I stood there and wondered and here God sending the wind down and all them big old trees was Doing and going, woo. Little sound effects. I thought that's just exactly like that rushing mighty wind that come from heaven on the day of Pentecost. When it strikes them big old cold churches today, like around Chicago, the only thing they can hear is mourn and cry and say the days of miracles is past fundamental they are trees yes sir yes sir they was once a tree the methodist the baptist the presbyterian the moody's and all the rest they've got great big towering spires but they say the days of miracles and is past because the palmer worm has eaten all the blessings out of the church till there's no more hallelujahs There's no more praises to God. Hallelujah. There's no more divine healing, speaking with tongues. They've carried it away. Tongues, dead. I stood and looked. There come the wind again. Instead of bending to it, they'd go, whew. I thought, 
That's about like it. When God sends a revival in this city, they say, don't you believe such stuff? Days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as Holy Ghost, Dr. So-and-so. My. Well, then I was discouraged. I said, Lord, you said I will restore. And about that time, the wind dropped a little lower. And when it did, I noticed that there was some undergrowth coming up. Hallelujah, glory. Some more little trees. They're what they, they wasn't as starchy and burnt up with denominationalism. They were in, they were in their evangelical. They were interdenominational like Israel was. God said, you'll never be a nation no more. And she won't be. They were interdenominational. And when the winds began to blow and these little trees began, the wind began to hit it. Them little trees begin to frolic and jump and dance and carry on. I thought, hallelujah, I will restore, saith the same power of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. If them old mournful churches want to mourn and say, well, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, mourn on. There's undergrowth coming up, hallelujah. The life left the tree, but it's coming up again. Every time the wind blows, them little trees just dig down and get a better hold. That's right. I will restore. God is raising up. These churches, especially the Catholic Church, they had to stop what was happening in the first church. They had to. Because they would lose control. If you look through history, the Romans, one of their biggest brags was the sun never sets on the Roman Empire. Sadly enough, the sun never sets on the United States Empire. Just so you know, Sam was born in England, which is a 15-hour time difference or 8-hour time difference, 5-hour time difference, 6, depending on... but. I was in Korea. It was 16 hours. Okay? But even in Korea, if you were born on base, you were born on U.S. soil. We don't just have these bases around the world just to have them. They're very strategically placed. And because they are there, they are U.S. soil. So the Catholic Church had to come in and change and twist and pervert and dilute the gospel of Jesus Christ. In their eyes, they had no option because they had to maintain control. That's where all the lies of, well, Jesus actually got off the cross and married Mary Magdalene and had two children and lived happily ever after. They had to lie and say that some people came and rolled that massive stone. And we've talked about it. It was sealed. It was pinned with a big old piece of what today we would call rebar. They had guards sitting outside and they were some good guards. The Roman army was massive, but they were also well trained. You didn't just walk past them. They had more fear of falling asleep on their watch than going to war by themselves. They would not fall asleep. So you look back at that story and you go, so how did 
He never, because if you look at it, and he never said, well, I woke up and it was gone. He just said, a mighty, mighty being basically came, and I was too afraid to do anything. And that's saying something. We've talked about the crucifixion and how bad that way of dying was. They were so scared. So most crucifixions, if you look back through time, they were not nailed to the cross. They were just tied because you were there for days a lot of times. The footrest was lower and you had to raise yourself up. You'd get infections in your back and you would end up just choking to death. They were so scared that he would get down is why they nailed him. And they didn't have nails, you know what I mean? They were like railroad spikes because they were so scared. But they didn't want to admit it, but that's how they kept control. They have to maintain control in their eyes. So Brother Branham talks about all these churches and compares the worms to the churches and denominations throughout time. But tonight, I want to shine a different light on it and look at them just a little bit different. So some of the questions, like this one, I hope sound facetious, but I got to ask. Does everyone believe that there is a spirit realm? There's another dimension that demons and angels and and, and spirits reside in. Can that realm, that dimension mesh with our own? Of course it can. Or legion could not have been possessed. We could not be healed from God. We could not have these blessings. He could not come in and dwell in us if he had to stay over there and we had to stay over here. Demons could not oppress us and try to make us quit. Try to keep us from being here. Why would they want to stop 24 people from meeting in a 200-year-old, 121-year-old church in a town of 500 people. Why would they want to work so hard to stop that? They work so hard that if you don't read as much Scripture as you did the day before, they'll try to convict you and tell you that you're less Christian. If you pray for three minutes less, they're going to be like, oh, God's not going to hear that when you didn't pray long enough. Like Brother Sam has said, it's either one ditch or the other. And they'll convict you of things that generally would be more, well, I I prayed today, I read my Bible, I I feel okay. Yeah, but you didn't do X, Y, Z. A Christian, I've said it multiple times, but a Christian can be oppressed but not a Holy Ghost, let me back up, a Holy Ghost-filled believer can be oppressed but not possessed. Because if you got something sitting there, if the strong man's in the house, they can't take it over. But they can push very heavily on you. Very, very heavily on you. 
So we get these spirits on us, and I would venture to say that most of the time that we don't even realize it at first. We get these spirits of depression, of fear, of anger, of anxiety. Those we all know. I would say most people in here have been moderately depressed at some point. You've been afraid at some point. You've gotten angry for no apparent reason at some point. And you look back at it and you go, why am I mad that water got spilt on the front porch or something? What's it going to hurt? Nothing. So why are you mad about it? And that's when we realize what's going on. That's when we should realize that there's that spirit of anger that's trying to get us mad to cause division between us and our kids, us and our, our wives, us and our brothers and sisters in the church. What about the spirits of bitterness, gossip, discord, division, rebellion? Rebellion to headship in the church, at work, at home? You'd be surprised the amount of people that I've met, even in the Air Force, where you're literally told you have to respect the rank. Maybe not the person, but if somebody outranks you, they are your boss. It's part of the oath of enlistment. I will, respect the or I will obey the orders of those appointed over me. There's no if, ands, or but statement in there. Rebellion is a spirit of witchcraft. Does everyone agree? If you don't, let's talk about it. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Now here Samuel's talking to King Saul. But we're just going to take a little excerpt of his chastisement. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Well, that was pretty plain and simple. And stubbornness, hold on a minute, is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Well, how many times have we said that somebody is as hard-headed as a mule or that person so stubborn this or that and how many people can honestly say that they knew that rebellion was witchcraft and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry man that's a lot all of us have been stubborn at some point in our life i've been real stubborn for a long time Iniquity is knowing what's right and refusing to do it. Not just, it's ignorance if you don't know what's right and you don't do it. It's iniquity if you know what's right and you refuse to do it. If you know that you need to share the food with your family evenly 
and then everybody can go back to seconds. That sounds pretty menial. That's not a big thing. But for a large families, I watched a video. This woman, she uh, adopted and, and, and stuff, but she had 12 kids. That's a lot. 14 people in a house. Um, they obviously had a good job. The video I watched, they said, what does it cost to do McDonald's for a day? And it was like a total of $1,000 or something for three meals. It was ridiculous. You don't think about that until it's here. But let's say that they weren't eating out and they, they just laid out, because you got to lay out a big spread. It's got to look like a banquet about every dinner time. And let's say that it's a Thanksgiving. You got those 14 people. You come over to see. You, you're friends with them. You, your family, your family of eight people. And then, you know, his family and my family. And we got 30-something people, 40-something people in this house. And the host takes all the turkey and just goes back and eats it. Well, he knows that's wrong. He knows that it's, he's supposed to share, but he refuses to do it. That's a very simple way of iniquity. When God tells you that you have to forgive this person, it's in here. When God tells you that you have to give up these things, it's in here. When God tells you that you need to read his word and talk to him and commune with him and take time out of your schedule to put into his so that you can do nothing more but let him talk to you and you refuse to do it. When you go to do that thing that's plagued you for so long and the Holy Spirit comes up and he goes, hey, you shouldn't do that. It's going to cause separation between us. When you have that sin, whatever it may be, and you go, well, nobody's looking. Nobody sees me on a 20-minute drive home. I could, I could have a quick smoke. I mean, there's 400,000 people in Wichita. What's the chances of me running in to one of the other 23 people in this room? And the Holy Spirit goes, you don't need to do that. It's poison in your body. Well, I could, I could stop at the bar real fast and have a drink nobody will know none of y'all gonna be in the bar so what's the chances of me running into you there's a bigger chance of me depending on what bar I went to to running into any one of the around us living right up the road from them but they driving by how would that look they drive by and me walk out and then we show up here tonight but when the Holy Ghost says, you don't need to do that, and you go, be quiet, I do what I want. Because that's what we're doing, really. When, the whole, when, when God steps in and says, don't do this, and you go, shut up, let me do what I want to do. You go, well, I, I'd never tell God to shut up, but we do. We really do. What about when we start complaining about menial things in the church? We're starting to sow discord. We're starting to invite those spirits of discord into the church. Discord is tension or strife resulting from a lack of agreement among persons, groups, or things. 
conflict. And that can be any size of conflict. You're taking away that shaded place. You're eating away at those leaves protecting your brothers and sisters in a safe place that God has provided. Just something as simple as, can can you believe what Matt said? Can you believe that Brother Sam chose to paint it this color? I hate it. I can't believe he would do that. He should have made that gray and that white. The colors are fine. They're just backwards. Y'all think I'm kidding, but we've talked about it. You're being that Palmer worm. But the thing is, you need more, right? You're not just talking to yourself. There was a guy when I worked at Perfecta, I had literally just been there a couple days. And I'm, I'm setting some tools, and he comes over and he, very quietly, because Perfecta would fire you very quickly. Uh, hey, we're trying to get the union to come in here so we can get better pay. At the time, I was making $26 an hour, um, and I'd been there a couple days, so they hired me in at 26 something. Benefits were pretty decent. I mean, they weren't bad. They weren't free health care, but free health care comes with a cost. I always, I always joked and said, what do you call a, a doctor that graduated last in his class? Most people say doctor. I say captain because they went in the military. But he goes, we have to get at least five people to say they want a union before the union will hear us. If we can get five people and the union comes in, Perfecta has to hear them because we have at least five people. This is a, I mean, it's a company of, it should have been easy to get five people, but it wasn't, obviously. He got fired shortly thereafter. I didn't say nothing. He just got fired. So just as there is strength in numbers, you also need numbers to split a church. To vote out a pastor, to bring order and doctrine by enforcing rules and laws. I don't like that deacon correcting me. So what? I was playing games on my phone and forgot to turn the sound off. So we use that and we go, well, I don't like this. I want this change, but I'm going to use this little thing that shouldn't bother anybody, this little sandbar. I still think, going to call Dad out, the boil that he's had was caused by something like a sandbar, this big or smaller, that has caused so much trouble. A pearl is not made a pearl to start with. It's a little grain of sand, and it's just rubbed and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed, and the longer it lasts, the bigger it grows. So we do the same thing and don't even realize it sometimes in the church. We plant these little seeds, and we start chipping away, and we start going to other people in the church that we believe have have issues too then their lack of agreement and your lack of agreement feed off each other, making a swarm. Because if two of y'all get together, now you can go, oh, well, maybe, 
Maybe Sister Vanessa doesn't like the stained glass windows, so we can use that. And maybe Sister Deborah doesn't like the carpet down the middle. It's too old, so we can use that. And we just start building this big old swarm, and it starts getting more and more powerful. And you start becoming locusts, and you're just eating anything in your path. Because now the original thing that you had a disagreement with, the paint color, has turned into there is nothing right in here. The clock's too big. The fans are too bent of blades. The cross is the wrong color. The wrinkles on the... You're going to pick at everything and anything that you can find. You don't care who it is. You don't care how script... Mm, can't even talk. How scripturally correct they are. You disagree with them so you disagree with whatever they say. Please understand, I am not saying that everything I say, Brother Sam says, says any guest preacher that we have up here is 110% accurate. But if we go off of this, and I quote out of this, and you disagree with what I say in here, then you're not disagreeing with me. Brother Branham misquoted sometimes. Every preacher that might start going too fast or gets too excited. I mean, last time I preached, I forgot to pray. I, just, I was so excited to share that message. I didn't even open in prayer. I felt, I, I realized that like at the end, I was like, oh man, I forgot to pray. And we have a guest. And this guy's up here just preaching on without praying. I've talked about how churches back in Tennessee split over pianos or the color of carpet. Last time I preached, I said that we have to find the root cause of the issue. Times before, I said, lay an axe to the root. So why did those churches split? Let me tell you, it wasn't the carpet. It wasn't the piano. It's that spirit of discord because someone said something and hurt your feelings. We have a big problem that, and when I say we, I say the church in a whole. We want these fluffy, nice sermons that make you feel good. And I think about it as if I was actually going to feed you, if everybody here came very hungry and all I fed you was angel food cake. It's great, right? I mean, most people love angel food cake. But if I fed you angel food cake for an hour and a half and then you left, how long, are you, how long is it going to hold you over until you're hungry again? I will do everything I can. Yes, I will have nice sermons that are positive and uplifting and I always try to have something in there, but... We have to find the root cause on why we feel the way that we do. Why do you feel that it's okay to gossip about somebody that's not there in the room? 
Why do you feel that it's okay to talk bad about somebody behind their back when they're supposed to be your brother or sister in Christ? We're all guilty of it. This isn't so much if the shoe fits type situation. I'm sure most people in here, I was telling Erica on the way here, most people in here have seen that movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. He invents that, that spray that just stays on your foot and the shoe always fits. This is the spray. This isn't a shoe I'm holding out that if it fits, if it doesn't, you can ignore me. When did our feelings become so much more important than the Word of God? There's a good chance that if a preacher says something that hurts your feelings, it's because there's something inside of you, there's a root that's inside of you that is saying, I don't like that. The word is a two-edged sword. It cuts to the very marrow. Sometimes correction hurts. I said I will never preach fluffy messages. I will always bring you the truth and the life anytime I'm speaking. If I cannot back it up with scripture, I will not stand up here. So after you've swarmed those that love you, you start attacking their gifts and you begin infecting their fruits. That's not for this day. I wrote these notes before I added, I added the message from Brother Branham this morning, this morning, a couple minutes ago, before service. I found it very fitting that it just shows me how God can use somebody, what, that was 1953, it's 70 years later, 69 and a half because it was in August. That's not for this day. God doesn't do that anymore. Do you really believe that? Have you ever actually seen that? That's all emotions and fanaticism. He wasn't trained on the guitar. He doesn't take a breath in the right spot when he's leading songs. He's too young. He's too old. He never went to seminary. He doesn't have a degree in theology. I'm glad that I don't have a degree in theology because that would get in the way of me knowing the author. Because I would have to go off what that that preach or that it professor is saying to me and there are no such things as non-denominational seminaries you can get a degree in theology from WSU but you got to take sociology and psychology also you have to take business management to to become a preacher in most seminaries they do not want you to run the church as a a shepherd running sheep and taking care of a flock, they want you to run it as a business. You are nothing more than a check that sits in a seat. The only way for the church to grow in their eyes is to become more powerful in that you get more money. 
Brother Branham said if, if, if he got told at one time, you need to start asking and pushing for tithes and offerings more. And he said, if it ever gets to that point, I'll stay at home, drink branch, wa- branch water, eat soda crackers, but I'm still going to preach the word. Amen. Amen. I do not do this Amen. because it's going to make me rich. I do not want to be that guy. And if it ever gets to that point where I'm standing up here and I'm like, well, if that was a good sermon, we're going to have a love offering right here every time then we need to have a talk and y'all need to pull me aside and I ask you to do that. Correct me. I will, it, it will hurt. It hurts when we get pointed out that we're wrong. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Secondly, your God, little G, might not move like that anymore, but mine does. Mine is still the creator of the universe. I keep using this, the architect of the cosmos. Let's let's talk about that for a minute. What does an architect do? A lot of times he has that whole blueprint right here. So let's think about the world. We got a couple carpenters in here. Let's think about the world as a building. Okay? The... I learned in in my home inspection course that one of the electricity has to go from its source to whatever it's doing, that light bulb, the drums, the piano, whatever, back to its source. The earth is a source. Run that wiring. The architect... Didn't just God didn't just design earth and say, whoo, that was too hard. He's designed everything that we know to this day, and it's still going. Science has proven that space is expanding at the speed of light. That sounds kind of funny, being that my Bible says, let there be light. So if you were to draw up blueprints, I'm pretty good at blueprint drawing. I'm really good at blueprint reading. Architectural blueprints are a little different because they don't just have size and shape. They have, like you were talking about, they got the electrical, they got the plumbing. They have, you know, this is a pretty square building, but if it was a large cathedral with, you know, all these crazy shaped buildings and the electrical's got to run different and... And plumbing's got to not go through a window and there has to be just the right amount of oxygen on planet for a couple billion people to survive. And there has to be enough gravity to where planes can fly but people won't float away. It has to be just warm enough. Literally, if we were a couple centimeters either way from the sun we would either freeze or burn to death. Draw those blueprints. God didn't even have to draw blueprints. He just said it. And it had to happen. That same power lives inside of us tonight. And we're afraid... And we let Satan beat us down 
and make us feel that we're just some lowly scum. God only did it because he felt sorry for you. These are things, maybe, maybe Satan doesn't tell you all these things, but this is stuff. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever is an infinite statement. We are finite beings. We have a beginning and an end. God has no beginning and no end. Your body will get old and pass away and die from something at some point in your life. Unless you take a rapture. But your body, this physical body, is dying every day. But we have a beginning, March 29th, 1984. That's when my physical body came into existence. But God says, I knew you since the foundation of the earth. Our inner being, that inner man, that, that soul, that theophany has no, it is infinite. So we have to listen to that a little bit more. This has, these are not in my notes. This is all for free. We need to listen to that a little bit more because that's that deep calling to the deep. Your brain cannot comprehend what God has in store for you. That's what faith is. Faith is no, I have no clue what's going to happen, but he told me to walk out there and make a left. I'm going to just keep walking. Third and fourth, I do believe every last word my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tells me and is inspired to be written in this Bible because I have seen the miracles, I have seen the healings, I have seen the signs and wonders. You're too late to change my mind. I'm sold out to the one true king. I'm sold out. There's no going back. Lastly, not for y'all to come up, just lastly, in the fanaticism. How many people have been told, oh, well, that's just fanaticism. That's just emotions, right? We've heard Brother Wayne talk about, well, I am a body of emotions, and I'm going to praise my God in my body, so I'm going to praise my God emotionally. Fanaticism is the acts of a fanatic. A fanatic is a person exhibiting excessive enthusiasm an intense, uncritical devotion towards some con- controversial matter. So why does me praising God become controversial to you? Why does the way that I praise God, the creator, the architect, the ageless one, insert here whatever, there's tons of names. Why does that why is that controversial? Why does me back there waving my hands where nobody can see me, but somebody goes, well, I can't believe he'd do that. Looks like he's at a rock concert. Am I offending you? Or is the Holy Ghost in me making the demons in you stir because they're afraid I'm going to destroy them? We talked about that. When, when Jesus walked up, any time he walked up to somebody with unclean spirits, what's the first thing they say? Why are you here, and are you going to destroy me? That's what did I do? You know what you did. 
But they don't say, are you going to cast me out? That power is not just to cast out demons. It's to make them not exist. That's what I talked about. If you read in the back in, in Revelation when it says, if you take away from, your name will be taken out of the book of life. That means you won't exist. That's not just that you will die and go to hell. That is a, a, a in-depth historical record of everything you did. If God goes, you took away, and he takes that page that says Glenn Webster on it, and he takes it out of the book of life, guess what? None of us knew you. That's not just you will die or you won't make it into heaven. You're done. You're gone. You're, you're not even to molecule level anymore. It will even take the memories that we have of that person out of our head as if they never existed to begin with. That's what those demons mean when they say, are you going to destroy me? That's why people think your praise and worship is controversial. That's why it makes them, because those spirits that are on them, those demons that are in them are getting scared because they're like, if, if he ever realizes that I'm here, if he ever realizes that, I, that, that I'm, just, I'm just sitting here on somebody's shoulder, if he ever sees me, because they know that Jesus inside of you, they know him probably better than you do because they know what he's going to do to them when you walk in that power. When you start infecting and attacking others' fruits of the Spirit, you're nothing more than a canker worm. Lastly, the caterpillar. You've tried everything else. You've tried with others. You've tried attacking the building. You've tried attacking the gifts that God has given them. Yet you still, yet they still bind their faith together and continue to overcome. If God had not given us this building, this property, that building, for free, more or less, and the Eagle Center had said, we can't have you anymore because it upset somebody. And Brother Sam doesn't want us to use his property, which I know he would. He'd clean out the shed if he had, or the garage if he had to, the workshop. But if we had nowhere else to go, and it's monsoon pouring rain, and it feels like it's 28 degrees outside, I'm still going to stand and preach the message, this message that God has given me. And I know that there are many here that will bind their faith with me. And once we realize who we are and who's living in us, we can stop that rain, and we can stop that wind, and we can make it 68 degrees and sunny in the middle of the night if we need to. So now what? We'll be more subtle. Let's just take a little bit at a time. 
let's sl- so slowly erode the foundation of their faith system, attack who they call a prophet, twist the truth and spread lies, call them a cult, but say we're only telling them because we love them. I don't want you to get into that because I love you. I don't want you to get caught up in a cult because I love you. You don't see it because you're too much in the middle of it, but but there, he, he went away from his doctrine. Well, did all the did all the signs and wonders stop? Well, no, but people actually attacked Brother Branham while he was still a lot a lot of times. But one way that they attacked him was that he wasn't healing enough people like Oral Roberts was. Never mind, people were getting healed, not just healed, but they would come up and he would tell them what's wrong with them. He'd tell them things that they might need to know in the future. In Palmer worm, canker worm, locust, caterpillar, he talks in the prayer line, a lady comes up and he's like, why are you here? He's like, there's a man He's paralyzed. He can only move two fingers on his left hand. And as she's walking away, you hear him go, wait a minute. Is he here tonight? And she's like, no. He goes, but he was. He was here with you. You took a bus. You crossed the river to get here. And then he tells her it was the Ohio River or whatever. She came up from Tennessee to come into, or came up from Kentucky to go into Indiana or whatever it was. But people would say, you need to heal more people. Like Oral Roberts does. Oral Roberts would just have him come across in droves, 5,000 people a night. I'm not saying that Oral Roberts didn't heal people. I wasn't in any of his meetings. He did heal people. Brother Branham even says that he healed people. But there's something personable. There's something that's really intimate to me when God comes down and feels a little man about this big and he tells me things that nobody else knows and then because I believe it that's the key word I gotta believe that he's telling the truth I gotta believe and have faith in that healing that what he says is gonna happen is gonna happen Instead of just, you're healed, go, you're healed, go, you're healed, go. We're a fast food religion. People don't want any more than just to rush through it. Those people don't care for you. You don't care for them if you say that to somebody else. You're just trying to keep them corrupt. Brother Brother Sam talked about that Sunday night. Because you can't stand somebody to feel better than you, get more healing than you, or have more joy than you. So if we turn the page over to Joel 2, 25. Literally just a page over, at least in my Bible. Some of y'all might have... Smaller pages, bigger pages, I don't know, might be on the same page. So if you've never read Joel 2, please do. It's not long, but read it slowly. 
All the ye's, put your name in. All the they's, put your name in. But 2.25 says, and I, this is God speaking. I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. What's he going to restore? If you just read chapter 1, chapter 2, what's he restoring? You go, okay, well, my orchard didn't get taken down. I don't have a peach orchard. I don't have a whole bunch of fig trees. What's being restored? Is he just stopping people from treating you, his bride, that way? Which is... I'd appreciate that. I'd appreciate people to, you know, not look at you crazy that you believe these things or not call you names, I guess. 1953, Palmer worm, locust, canker worm, caterpillar. Brother Branham said, look, the same wind was making one moan and groan. We just talked about that. Was giving the other one a big time and I happen to think well what's this doing and every time that little tree would twist what would it do it would pull the roots loosen up the ground that's right so it could grow deeper and get a better hold hallelujah and every time God sends his blessings upon a born again man or woman it only loosens up the roots to grow deeper higher better freer glorify God but I will restore saith the Lord no he's restoring what the first church had what was given to us by his inheritance Acts 2 1 through 19 I'm going to read that and see about how far the Lord lets me get and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one piece. Now, we're not talking about, you're going to go mad, I know. We're not talking about Azusa Street Pentecost. Okay, the day of Pentecost was a specific day in, in Jewish culture. When the day of Pentecost come. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? These people are not that educated. That's what they're saying. There ain't no way that this Galilean knows how to speak whatever country I'm from. <laughs> and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? 
Parthians and Medes, Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, my Hebrew's a little off, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, my contacts are messing up, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God, and they were all amazed and were in doubt. Wait a minute. How? They were all amazed. Yeah. And in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, they, these men are full of new wine. There always will be those that are trying to keep you corrupt and drag you down. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. He yelled at them and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. We just read that. Joel ain't but this big. There's not much. You can't go, oh, well, you know, there's 120 chap. No, it's this big. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There's a little three-letter word again. And your sons and your, like, like if people didn't understand what all meant, let's explain it. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 3 sounds a lot like that picture in Houston in 1950. Can you bring that up, Charity? I don't know if you can get it up there or not. If you can, awesome. Actually photographed, then proven to be the only time a supernatural being has been photographed. Not a big fancy digital lens, but an analog lens in 1950, over 70 years ago. So either you believe Acts 2 and also that that same pillar of fire that fell in Acts 2 still falls on people today or you don't believe it falls, you don't believe it was seen, it was only seen by few there in Houston, but you don't believe it was seen, you don't believe the photograph is real and vindicated and therefore you're denying Acts 2. You can't have it both ways. You cannot believe that God will still fall in mighty ways like that picture. That's just one picture. It happened other times. Brother Wayne talked about one time he was preaching and nobody, he said, nobody's amen. And he's thinking, am I even preaching the right thing? 
and a light came in and went around the room and hovered over the page. And he's like, well, good enough for me. So you either believe in that pillar of fire that God came down and happened and just said, you know what? I respect you enough that I'm going to have my picture taken with you. Therefore, believing Acts 2, because Acts 2 does not end in an amen. There's no closure to Acts. There's no closing in Acts. Or you don't believe that picture, and you don't believe Acts 2. Now, verse 19, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth beneath. You got the picture of the cloud? Sounds a lot like the cloud to me. That's a bit of a sign in heavens above, wouldn't you say? Being that it wasn't just seen over one little area. It was seen over much of Arizona, part of Nevada, like multiple people and multiple news agencies. That TV keeps flickering on and off. We'll get it in a minute. If you haven't seen it, I have it in a lot of places. And then if you when you listen to what brother Branham says right before that about the seven angels it can all just kind of so once again do you believe that that was real do you believe that that was of God thus believing Acts 19 or do you deny that and say because they even said a scientist came out and said there is no way that that cloud could be real. It was too high up. Clouds aren't up that high. But there it is. We can't deny it. You can't deny that that was there. It wasn't seen by one person. This isn't like the Mormon church. Tens of thousands of people took pictures of that not knowing what it was. So do you believe Acts 19? that God is still doing signs and wonders and signs on earth and in heaven and believe that? Or do you deny that and deny Acts 19? We'll just, we'll just take our Sharpie and mark that one out too. Do you want this church restored to the church of Acts 2? Do you want your shadow? Just walk past them to heal people. We have to be careful what spirit we are speaking from. Before we speak of our church, our brothers and sisters in it, or anything about it, we must check ourselves and see what spirit we are of. Not in our own understanding, but from the very mind of God. And you go, well, Matt, I, God lives in me, so I don't have to. Well, James and John walked with Jesus every day. Every day. He stayed in their house. He knew their parents. They were buddies. You could say that they were one of the few, they were, I guess, two of the few people that knew him better than any mortal person of that day. 
Yet in Luke 9:55, Jesus rebuked them and told them they know not what manner of spirit they are of. So you cannot tell me, you cannot sit here tonight and say, oh, spirits don't get on me because I'm a Christian. Are you saying James and John weren't? There it is. That was seen all over the place. After they asked if he wanted them to rain fire down from heaven like Elijah did. Don't think just because you claim to be a Christian, spirits won't attack you. The word says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It does not say that it won't be used. We're in a battle every second we're alive. Spirits will come into your home even if they have to travel on the dog poop stuck on your shoe. They want to infiltrate the enemy's camp. You are their enemy. They are your enemy. You are their enemy. They want to steal everything they can, devour your joy, peace, fruit, shade, whatever they can. We have to walk in faith the full armor of God and march down and take it back. If Satan would try to bribe and trick Jesus himself, what makes you think that Satan won't send demons into your home to try to distract and pull you away from your relationship with Jesus? Satan showed up in person. Jesus was in this dimension. Satan crossed over. We just talked about, do you believe that they can swap dimensions? Brother Branham saw the angel of the Lord come into this dimension. Satan himself, Lucifer, came right out of that dimension and walked up to Jesus after fasting for 40 days. Who in here can make it 40 days? Not me. I'll die. I ain't even going to make it 40 hours. I barely did it a couple weeks ago. So what makes you think that he, he won't send demons to attack you? What makes you think that the more you realize who you are in Jesus, that he won't come to you himself? If you don't believe that spirits are going to come into your house and attack you, that's a spirit of pride. It's a spirit of narcissism that you think you're too holy, too godly, too Christian, that spirit won't come in and attack you. They come in this church and every other church, at least the ones speaking the truth and teaching how to defeat them. You go to a cold, dead church, it could have a lot of music. It could make you really happy. It could make you feel good, but not in your spirit. It just makes your emotions feel good. Satan ain't going to attack those churches. You know why Satan attacks this church so bad? Because we are teaching not just the 20-something, 30-something people in here, but anybody on the Internet that tunes in. Now multiple countries, even in India, by the way, and Bulgaria and Bolivia and some places in Africa and France and Ashburn, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in. They're our largest listener. 
Because we're teaching people how to defeat them. We're teaching people how to walk in that faith and learn who they are in Christ Jesus to destroy those demons. Not just cast them out to come back tomorrow, but send them to utter oblivion. Stand on Joel 2.25 tonight. Know that God said he will restore what's been taken from you if you only put your faith in him and stand firmly on his word and carry this sword into battle. Not a sword of your own understanding. Not a sword that you fashioned yourself. No matter how good you think you are. Brother Branham talked about a guy that came and tried to trip him up. If you've never heard it, it's great. And he asked him, and he goes, so show me your God. You said that your God, Jesus, walked in the flesh, so he, you have to be able to prove him in one of the five fleshly senses. Show him to me. And Brother Branham, he said, I was kind of, I was new to this. I've only been preaching a couple months. And I didn't know what to do. And then God reminded him, if you just let me do it. So he said, okay, you say that you have a mind. And the guy goes, of course I do. He goes, well, your mind is fleshly, right? And he goes, of course it is. He goes, so name the five senses. And the guy looked at him and goes, you made me do it. So now you got to do it. I gave, I gave you, I was gentlemanly to you. You be gentlemanly to me. So the guy's like, all right, sight, see, sound. And he goes, okay, let me touch your mind. Let me feel your mind. Let me hear your mind. Well, you, you, you can't do it. Then I don't believe you have one. Well, I clearly do. But it wasn't until after Brother Branham said, I don't know how to argue with this guy. God, you got to do something. So I will leave you with this. If singers and musicians would like to make their way back. Are you in his army tonight and from here on forward or are you still only using him as fire insurance? We don't have any days promised to us. For me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. I stand and fight because I know that no matter what gets taken from me, my God will give it back to me. Bigger and better newer and fresher can we sing I went down to the enemy's camp y'all know that one we all know that one Once again, it's what it tells us to do. It's not by our own understanding. You will have things taken away. The more you walk in this truth, the more you might think things are taken away. But when God lets something be taken away, it's going to come back better. Like, like Brother Sam said Sunday, Abraham knew that when he, as soon as he plunged that knife into Isaac, he was going to come right back. He had no doubt. Do you have that faith? That's hard.
the sacrificial system. And he's going, I got wood. You got a knife. We have no, no sheep. You got something hidden for me? What's going on? Or do you think Isaac also knew? Do you think Abraham might have let him in on it? He said, either way I win. Whether I get to stay here and tell y'all about what he's done, or I get to go sit with him in glory. I win either way. So don't let Satan trick you. Don't let these worms of destruction move in and take away what God has given us as a church family. We are not against each other. We are one family. And it takes all of us to grow this church all of us to move this gospel. Let's pray real fast. Not real fast. Father, thank you for this time that you gave me here tonight to shed some light on the enemy's wiles and the way that he tries to use us to separate what you have given us. Thank you for shining that light so brightly that the darkness has to flee. It has no option. Thank you for using me to bring this message to these people here in 2023. I thank you, Lord, for restoring those years that that the, the worms of destruction have taken from us. I thank you for going ahead of us into that battle and and the victory is ours. We just need to walk in that victory. Walk in that faith. Walk in that, that strength and that power that you have given us to walk into that enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me. Satan, I bind you by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I declare that the house of hell must give way in the name of Jesus. There are no bars too thick, no rocks too heavy, no chains too tight to bind the bride of Christ. And I'm standing in that gap for anyone under the sound of my voice tonight or in the future to come. And I release them from what you have bound them in in the name of Jesus because you cannot hold them any longer because I declare it so. They are free here tonight in the future when they hear this message. You have to flee. You cannot cross the bloodline. We are covered in the blood power against it. You can bark and howl and scream all you want, but you're defeated and you are under our feet tonight. Do not forget it. Jesus, I thank you for giving me that power. I thank you for for showing that to everyone here. I thank you for letting us all see what you've done for us and how it benefits us in the future. This is not just some dead religion. You are still alive tonight. 
walk with us daily. Thank you, Lord. I ask that this, this message not just fall on deaf ears, that this plant deeply and, and those little trees, those roots start growing deep in everyone that is here and they and they start seeing how, how Satan's used them and they see how they can stop it right now. Thank you for growing this church. Thank you for giving it to us in the first place. that we have and let us just shine light on every bit of darkness that is in our lives no matter where we go let demons flee scared because they know that we do not want them there be with us until we meet again bless each and every one here in this new year Lord bless them so mightily that they can't even understand it you know each and everyone's hearts. You know their minds. You know what they ask of you. You know those hidden requests. You know those things that are brought up in private when no one else is around, but you are there to hear what we need, Lord. I just ask that you, you grant those things. You reach down and you touch those that need that healing touch, Father. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for what you have done, and I thank you for what you are doing in this place right here in January of 2023, and I ask these things in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I went to the enemy's camp, oh, and I took back what he stole from me, I took back what he stole from me, I Back what he stole from me I went to the enemy's camp And I took back what he stole from me He's under my feet He's under my feet Oh, Satan is under my feet Oh, well, I went to the enemy's camp Oh, and I took back what he stole from me
I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. Well, one day when I was lost, he died upon that cross. I know it was the blood for me. Well, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me, for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon that cross. I know it was the blood for me. Oh, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was that blood for me. Him. Well, I walked, I walked all over, over. I searched, I searched all over, over. I turned around all over, over. Cause there's no one, there's no one like Him. There's no one, there's no one like Jesus. There's no one, there's no one like Him. There's no one, there's no one like Jesus. There's no one, there's no one like Him. Oh, there's no one, there's no one like Jesus. There's no one, there's no one like Him. There's no one, there's no one like Jesus. There's no one, there's no one like Him. 